Hello and welcome to The Bigger Picture, a podcast where we tell the stories that matter. I'm your host this week, Stephen Perkins. I don't know if it's just me who has a hard time finding contemporary role models, but I've always gravitated towards figures of the past. The first person that comes to mind, obviously, is someone like George Washington, an incredible example of what it means to be an American. But I recently stumbled across another figure who, although lived a shorter life than Washington and others like him, made a huge contribution to the founding of our country all the same. This week, I want to tell the story of a man who made it possible for us to be here today. A true American hero who rarely gets the attention he deserves. A young rebel who helped launch the greatest fight for freedom this world has ever seen. This is the story of Dr. Joseph Warren. Like many early American colonists, Joseph Warren grew up in an agricultural setting. His parents were apple farmers in Roxbury, Massachusetts, land that is now a neighborhood of Boston. Joseph's father, also named Joseph, died when Joseph Jr. was just 14 years old after falling from a ladder in the field and breaking his neck. Not a fun way to go out. That same year, Joseph would enroll and attend Harvard University, again, age of 14, and he graduated there in 1759. Warren was a trained physician, and a good one, according to people familiar with his work at the time. There's a joke somewhere here about someone who came from an apple farming family becoming a doctor, but I'll refrain because this is serious history. Warren's family was not necessarily affluent, but they did have a strong ancestral connection to the original colonist. In fact, Warren was a descendant of Richard Warren, an English dissenter who came to America on the Mayflower and even signed the Mayflower Compact. So needless to say, the Warrens had a rebellious tendency in their blood. As a doctor in the Boston area, Warren would end up becoming a Freemason. In fact, he was in the very same lodge as Paul Revere, who he would work very closely with a few years later. It was also during this time that Warren became increasingly interested and involved in politics. He was a member of the committee in Boston that wrote and released a report a few months after the Boston massacre took place. And interestingly enough, Dr. Warren performed autopsies on the victims of that bloody day for the report. But it wasn't until the Stamp Act and later the Townsend Acts that would make Warren increasingly upset with British rule, sparking a more active involvement in political activism. During this time, he wrote for the Boston Gazette under the pseudonym A True Patriot. Fun fact about his writings, the royal governor attempted to charge Warren and the paper's publishers with libel against the crown, but there wasn't a local jury that would approve that trial. As Warren became more involved in politics, he would end up befriending two individuals who you certainly know, John Hancock and Samuel Adams. Hancock, of course, known for his very large signature on the Declaration of Independence, and Sam Adams, known for his seasonal beers, these two individuals trusted Warren and saw him as a valuable asset to the impending revolution that was brewing in the colonies. As the Revolutionary War broke out, Warren would prove to play a vital role. 
He was appointed to the Boston Committee of Correspondence, which was a Patriot-led shadow government formed on the eve of the American Revolution. In that role, he helped to draft the Suffolk Resolves in 1774, which were endorsed by the Continental Congress and advocated for the colonial resistance against Parliament's coercive acts. One year later, in the spring of 1775, Warren was one of two remaining Committee of Correspondence members left in the city of Boston. The others had left to prepare for upcoming conflicts around the colonies. And on April 18th, Warren sent Paul Revere and William Dawes on what would become known as their historic Midnight Rides, which warned John Hancock and Sam Adams of the British troops en route to Concord by way of Lexington. That order for them to go ride through the night would prove to be very beneficial for the Patriot fighters in the days and weeks following that day. On April 19th, as the Battle of Lexington and Concord raged on, Dr. Warren left Boston to meet with military leaders near the battle sites to plan attacks and strategize about the future. Warren fought alongside Patriot troops as the British returned from the battles back to Boston. It was during these fights that Warren would come very close to dying on the field when a musket ball grazed his wig. His mother was not very happy that that happened. Not as if that's foreshadowing anything. After the initial battles at Lexington and Concord, Warren worked largely behind the scenes, recruiting troops and securing ammunition and gunpowder for future battles. He was also, in June, elected to the rank of second general over the Massachusetts forces by the Provincial Congress. Now, what comes up next is where Warren secures his title as an American hero and, dare I say, badass. On June 17th, just three days after being made a major general, Warren received word that the British had landed in Charlestown. That morning, he quickly rode to Breed's Hill, where American forces were mobilizing and preparing for one bloody battle. It was there that he would connect with General Putnam and Colonel Prescott, two very experienced military leaders. They wanted Warren, naturally, they wanted Warren to command the troops in those battles, but he instead insisted that he would fight alongside them as a volunteer private. This made Putnam and Prescott this made Putnam and Prescott both confused and certainly frustrated. While Warren believed he lacked the experience to lead these troops, he did end up having a seemingly magic power with them. He rallied troops of all kinds, whether they be farmers, merchants, mechanics, laborers, slaves, Native Americans even, and encouraged them to face the British head-on, even though they outnumbered them. These fellows say we won't fight, Warren told his fellow patriots, according to author Torleot's 1959 book on the battle. By heaven, he continued, I hope I shall die up to my knees in blood. Fight he did, and die he would. On the third and final British attack on the group, Warren was shot and killed instantly by a musket ball to the head while attempting to maintain troop motivation. Spectators on the battlefield wrote of Warren's brave heroism and dedication to the fight, saying that he was fighting harder than anyone else. Artist John Trumbull would paint the scene in his early 19th century painting titled 
the death of General Warren at the Battle of Bunker's Hill. I certainly recommend you look it up. He was supposedly shot by a British soldier who recognized him. His body was placed in a mass grave after being stripped and cut beyond recognition. But nearly 10 months after the battle, the American forces exhumed his body, and none other than Paul Revere was able to identify Warren by his set of false teeth. This is understood to be one of the first, if not the first, case of forensic dentistry in America. There is much debate over Warren's legacy, but not in the sense of whether or not he was a significant figure. Historians largely agree that he was, by far, one of the most significant patriots of the American Revolution. No, the real debate is over what he would have done had he lived longer. Obviously, it's reasonable to guess that Warren would have went on to fight in most of the war's other prominent battles, and after the war ended, he may have very well went into politics again, maybe even signing the Constitution or, dare I say, becoming president of the newly formed United States. Peter Oliver, a loyalist during the war, suggested that Warren would have ended up being more influential and more notable than George Washington himself. While history is certainly free to get creative with the what-ifs, Warren gave us enough in a short 34-year life to take away some amazing lessons. First, he showed us that everyone, no matter their personal or professional background, can and should get involved in politics. Secondly, he taught us to speak up, even when you could become the target or get in serious trouble. And finally, and this is the one I love the most, his life was an example of someone serving their cause and their country with everything they had, even when it cost an ultimate sacrifice. Joseph Warren is rarely talked about, perhaps because of his short life and involvement in America's historic fight for freedom. But he's an inspiration to me and to many others, I hope. And I'm thankful for people like him who gave up their lives so that we today can be free. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this story as much as I enjoyed telling it. If you did, please subscribe to the show on whatever app you use for podcasts. You can follow at Outset Network on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can view all of our other podcasts by going to OutsetNetwork.com. Until next week's episode, thanks for listening. <laughs>